Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. And today's guest is Max Toosley, who's the Managing Director at Calpio Minerals, who are a copper exploration and development company whose interests are in Chile, uh, the world's number one, obviously, copper producing country. Um, The company is concentrating on uh, exploring potential high-grade copper systems in the coastal quadrilla, uh, region of Chile. Uh, Max is a geologist with over 30 years experience in base metal and gold exploration and mining and has a proven track record in successful projects and team management both in Australia and internationally. Uh, work And he's worked on projects in Mongolia, Sudan, Laos and the Philippines. Um, Max is going to give us a, a overview of the company. He's been there for a, a few years um, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about what they're what they're doing over in Chile and what they're looking to achieve. So that's welcome, Max, to the podcast. How you doing, Max? Yeah, good. Thanks, Rob, for having me on. No, appreciate your time as well. So for those that don't don't know you, um, wondering if you can just tell us uh, a bit about your, your career and your background um, up until sort of present day. Yeah, no, not a, not a problem at all. Look, I, I'm a geologist uh, by trade. Uh, you know, from Australia originally. So I uh, was born and bred in Australia on the on the east coast of Australia in uh, Brisbane. Uh, so spent the sort of first um, 15 years of my career working in Australia, working in uh, predominantly mining. So I come from a mining background. I started as a mine geologist uh, up in Charters Towers and I, I moved across to um, the Mount Isa Cloncurry area and spent quite a lot of time out there working for you know the bigger companies such as Extrada on on some of their large uh, you know IOCG copper gold deposits in the Cloncurry area uh, you know after about 15 years in Australia I, I did uh, branch out and become a an expatriate uh, working around Southeast Asia as you mentioned you know quite a number of years in the Philippines uh, working in both mining and exploration, uh, again, focused on gold and copper. I did spend a couple of years in Laos uh, and did venture north to uh, Mongolia. Uh, obviously, Mongolia is quite a mineral-rich country, and and they also have a lot of porphyry copper deposits and and also VMS deposits. So I, I worked on a, on a couple of different sort of uh, uh, you know, all settings up there in Mongolia. Uh, I also spent a time, uh, spent some time in North Africa on the on the eastern side of Africa in Sudan. Uh, now those rocks over there are pretty interesting. Uh, they also have some some very old porphyry and epithermal style deposits in in those rocks uh, in Sudan. So I got to explore, um, you know, throughout that area of the world for a couple of years, and then. As you mentioned, for the last couple of years, I've been with Calpeo, uh, you know, focused on copper exploration in, in South America. Great. So I just wanted to just give us an overview of Calpeo, um, uh, over, overview of the company and maybe the management team as well. 
Yeah, look, Calpeo uh, is a relatively new company. We we listed on the ASX about two years ago in about September 2021. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, we are focused on Chile. So um, we're an Australian company exploring Chile, exploring Chile for copper deposits. And we're certainly focused on the coastal belt of Chile, Um you know, we're not at this stage up in the Andes, uh, up in the high altitude areas. We're we're in the coastal belt in an area of um, you know lots of infrastructure. You know, only sort of fifty to eighty kilometres from the Pacific Ocean. Uh, you know, good supply of of labour force. You know, electrical uh, energy is is close by with you know numerous power stations uh, close to the project areas. In fact, uh, the, we've got a seventy five megawatt power station only three kilometres from uh, one of our major projects there in the coastal belt. So, um, you know, Calpeo has uh, four main project areas uh, in that coastal belt of Chile. Uh, the project that we've had a lot of success on is a project referred to as Lana Carina. So that's the project project where we've been drilling uh, quite a number of holes and we've we've hit some reasonable intersections there at, at Lana Greener wide, good grade, uh, you know, good grade copper and molybdenum intersections. We've just recently uh, joint ventured into a new project called Fortuna, which is only 10 kilometres north of Lana Carina. So that's got some pretty exceptional, you know, war up drill targets there already that we've defined from the historic data. Uh, 40 kilometres south of, of those projects, we have another project called Quellon. Uh, where we've had some initial drill six there, success there at Quellon as well. And further to the north, we've got a, a large project called Patakas, which is which is only about 15 kilometres south of the of the very large uh, Landin uh, copper project there, which is called Candelaria, which is an IOCG. So Patakas is um, you know very similar geology to that that particular large project. So a lot of upside, uh, you know, on all of the projects really. Uh, so pretty exciting place to be for a junior explorer uh you know from australia focusing on chile so obviously you mentioned you've worked around various parts of the world what attracts you to copper exploration in chile rather than i suppose being a little bit closer to closer to home look you know i mean i cut my teeth in australia so there's obviously a lot of you know opportunities within australia but there's certainly a lot harder to get your foot on you know you got a lot of competition in australia you know, particularly up around, you know, Cloncurry. Uh, what we saw when we were looking, you know, around for projects before the company sort of did its IPO, we just, you know, we, we were we were pretty astounded, you know, about what was actually available in Chile. I mean, Chile, as you mentioned earlier on, is the number one copper producer in the world. It's got the highest uh, reserves of copper in the world. So, it, you know, it's a great place to look for copper. And, you know, historically, the Andes has been the playground for the for the majors. You know, that's that's difficult exploration. That's up, you know, 3,000, 3, 4,000 metres above sea level. I mean, the prize is big up there. They're big porphyry coppers, but they're very difficult to develop, obviously, and take, they're very capital intensive. What we saw in Chile was... Um, 
you know, a lot of opportunities in the coastal belt for your sort of, you know, moderate size copper deposit, you know, 50 to 100 million tonne at reasonably good grades. The coastal belt tends to be higher grade to, than those big low grade porphyry copper deposits. So, you know, when we were, you know, looking around for projects, uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, quite amazing what was available in Chile, uh, you know, so that's what that's what really drove us to to explore Chile, and you know Chile's got a very well uh, proven you know mining law and and a, and a mining regulation uh, system uh, you know comparable to Australia. So it's very low risk. Obviously, all the majors are exploring in Chile because they they obviously see the um, the importance of having um, you know mines and exports in Chile so um so we were you know we were pretty happy to uh to get our foot on the on the projects that we did get our feet on uh and obviously you know we hit the ground running uh straight away after our IPO and we'll drill on those projects you know I think that's that's the other thing different about Chile is that you know there is drilling rigs available the assay labs are not you know chock a block full of samples so you can get the turnaround that uh that you require to you know to, to keep that news flow out to the investors. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, you, know, you recently announced a new project acquisition at Fortuna. Uh, just wonder if you can just tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, look, as I mentioned, you know, we, we have a lot of success at Lana Carina. And, and I think, you know, during that exploration phase at Lana Carina, which which really, you know, took up most of, um, you know, 2022, we drilled, um, you know, 7,000 metres at Lana Carina. So, and we, and I think, you know, out of the 13 holes we drilled, 10 of those holes were were hitting those wide, you know, good grade intersections. So that that's enabled enabled us, I think, to to get an understanding of the of the um of the regional geology. So uh, you know, we're we're pretty confident that we've identified a fairly major uh, you know, structural trend that that's you know probably 20 kilometers long um, that hosts Lana Carina, but it also hosts the new um, Fortuna acquisition. So you know once we started sort of compiling that regional data, the, the area where Fortuna is really stood out as a, as an area that would be you know a, a nice addition to the to the portfolio there in that coastal belt. So you know Fortuna is only ten kilometres to the north of Lana Carina. It's also very accessible from the from the paved highway that we access Lana Carina from. Um, and you know, there's there's four to five areas on Fortuna that have that have had sort of small scale mining. They've had surface sampling, so I have quite a lot of anomalies there to follow up. You know, we've got mineralisation uh, you know, over a strike length of about six kilometres at Fortuna. One of the projects uh, is referred to as Vacamoweta. That that project has got some very wide surface channel samples uh, taken by the previous explorers. Yeah, you know, sort of 150 metres at 1.3 percent copper equivalents in some of those channel samples. So those 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 areas have never been drilled. So it, you know, it's a it was a pretty uh, you know I think a pretty good uh, you know add on to Lana Carina, and we've got some you know we've got some outcropping copper targets that uh, that are very drillable and. And, um, you know, we aim to get the drill rig up there in the next couple of months and start start testing some of these projects at Fortuna. We've also obviously got the 
the deeper and and uh, near surface potential at Lana Karina as well. So we'll when we get the drill rig back to site, we'll be we'll be going to the new area Fortuna, but we will also uh, go back to Lana Karina and uh, and try to expand that that you know pretty sizable you know mineralized footprint that we've always already identified there. Obviously, talking about Lana Karina, um, you've had quite a few uh, wide, high-grade in insects there. Um, just wondering if you could just tell us, or tell us a little bit about the geology of that particular project. Yeah, no, that's a good question, Rob. Look, Lana Karina is a, is a is a series of outcropping breccia pipes. So the mineralisation actually outcrops on the surface. Uh, I won't get too academic, but the you know the setting of the mineralisation is what us geologists refer to as breccia pipes. Uh, so below those breccia pipes that are on the surface, the mineralisation uh, sort of sort of turns into a more porphyry copper hosted style of mineralisation. So that that's directly below the breccia pipes. And that's the that's the area where we saw these very wide intersections come back from. You know, we saw sort of, uh, you know, over 250 metres at sort of 1.1% copper equivalent coming out of that porphyry zone. So, and a lot of that area is still... It's still open along strike, and we've got some similar targets adjacent to Lana Karina, chasing that that porphyry style mineralization below the breccias. But interestingly, also uh, deeper in the system, we do see a a very high grade uh, molybdenum uh, ore zone uh, that's hosted within a within a very silica rich uh, cupola. So uh, you know the system is what you know, what we would call a telescope system uh, with the breccia pipes on the surface, the, you know, the wide porphyry hosted copper below the breccia pipes. And then we see this higher grade molybdenum zone at depth. Uh, you know, some of the deeper potential at Lana Carina is, has really only been tested in one drill hole. So, you know, as I mentioned, we will be going back to Lana Carina. We've got some other breccia targets to test nearby, but, uh, you know, we also want to follow up some of this deeper potential because it, it does look like it could be a very, a very big system that's driving, uh, you know, what we know we already have. So obviously our focus is on uh, in expanding that um you know that 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 whole lana carina you know all body if you like one of you can just tell us a little bit about the environment uh mine environment in uh, chile at the moment and i suppose uh throughout throughout the year yeah well that's that's one of the you know obviously it's a it's a very arid environment i mean we're not in the atacama desert but um we're not far away from the atacama desert so so Patakas, the northernmost project, is in the Atacama. Lana, Carina and Fortuna are a little bit further south. But the vegetation is very, very sparse there. You're, you're looking at a lot of... Um, a lot of cactus uh, mainly is the main sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, flora that, that we see on the on the project area. The good thing about operating in the coastal belt is, um, you know, it is low altitude. So you, you don't even really get a lot of snow in winter. So it's accessible, uh, you know, all year round. You might get a little bit of rain, but it, it, it doesn't rain very often. You might get rain for a couple of days, but, um, you know, certainly the access into the project areas, as I mentioned, we're on, Lana Carina is only about a kilometre off the paved bitumen road. Uh, Fortuna has a, a bitumen road going through the middle of the project area. 
So, uh, you know, I, I, as as you sort of picked up from my experience, I spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia exploring for copper and gold in, in sort of tropical jungle. Uh, you know, Chile is actually a very pleasant place to be a geologist and and obviously you know being able to walk over the rocks and and see the outcrop identify the rocks on the surface and even you know see copper mineralization outcropping uh you know it is it is a fantastic place to be you know with that sort of topography fairly flat uh you know uh, you know 12 month access to the site that means we can do geophysics we can do geochemistry whenever we like and obviously we can um you know, we can bring the drill rigs into the site, uh, you know, 12 months a year. What are some of the challenges uh, facing uh, the mining industry in Chile? Obviously, each country or each country or jurisdictions have their own particular uh, challenges in mining. What what would you say uh, the challenges are for, for uh, mining in Chile? Look, well, you know, as I mentioned, the mining industry, you know, has has had a long history in Chile. I mean, it is the number one copper producer for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, one of those reasons is obviously there is a lot of copper, you know, in the rock. Uh, you know, it's very prospective for copper. But, you know, historically they have, you know, they have put together a fairly ro robust uh, set of mining laws and regulations. Um, you know, there has been a little bit of negative sentiment in the media, you know, over the last 12 months with the election of the new president. Uh, you know, he was talking about there was, you know, whispers about nationalisation of, of the copper industry. Uh, and that's certainly not going to happen. So, you know, all of that sort of uh, rhetoric has now disappeared. Uh, there has been a slight increase in the in the copper taxes for mining companies in Chile, uh, but that still puts Chile, uh, you know, on par or, or even lower taxation than places like Australia and the USA and Canada. So Chile, uh, although the taxes have increased a little bit, it's certainly not uh, extremely onerous on mining companies when you want to develop a project. And interestingly enough, uh, there is a new, uh, you know, new five-year tax holiday for any uh, new projects that are starting in Chile. So, you know, I think, you know, unfortunately, some of the, you know, the Western media picks up on some of the, you know, the 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 Chilean news articles, which are usually written in Spanish. They uh, translate the the worst part of those articles, and and that's what we tend to read uh, when we read the the translated articles you know in the western press but when you pull it all apart and you understand uh you know that the the president of chile does not control the senate uh you know he doesn't really have the ability to make some of these uh sort of major changes to the industry so so we're fairly confident you know that now that the taxes has has been increased in chile that it's it's pretty much uh you know, uh, you know, clear sailing ahead, and and you know, I've I've been there now for you know, a couple of years, and what I can tell you, you know, I drive up the highway, obviously, to go to the project areas. The amount of uh, you know, large tonnage, uh, you know, Komatsu truck bodies and Caterpillar dozers and excavators that I see on the back of trucks going up the highway, I've never seen that in my life before anywhere. Uh, you know, I've worked in Australia, I've worked in my 
Mongolia. So Chile really is a mining country. And I think the, you know, the general population of Chile understand the importance of, um, you know, the mining industry. Uh, you know, it, it is the, the, you know, it is the main, uh, you know, main input into the GDP of, of Chile. So um, I think people understand the importance of having having that, you know, that, uh, you know, the, for, for the industry to have confidence in Chile, you know, for the for the industry to have confidence in doing exploration and, and to have confidence in building mines. So um, you certainly, uh, you know, we believe Chile is a very good place to be. What are your thoughts on the... the outlook of the, the copper market and I suppose if you look at short, medium and long term. Yeah, look, I think in the short term, there's, you know, there's a, there, it, you know, it appears to be affected by everything else that's happening in the world. You know, we've got the high inflation, we've got, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the stability issues in the Ukraine and, and things like that. So that, that's certainly having a negative effect on the short-term copper price. But, you know, I think, you know, reading between the lines and, and, you know, the, 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 the reality that, you know, copper is a major part of the whole, uh, you know, uh, green energy, uh, you know, phenomenon that we're going through in the world. Uh, you know, I think it won't be long before um, we start to see a bit of a kick up in the copper price. You certainly, everything I read suggests that, um, you know, we're going to need a lot more copper. We, we, I mean, in fact, I think, you know, by 2035 or in 2050 we need you know almost double what we're what we're currently supplying to the world so um you know i think short term we're we're in for probably a little bit of a you know a, a low price regime but i think medium to long term we're going to see uh yeah copper certainly going to get back up to ten thousand dollars a ton and and i wouldn't be surprised if it goes to fifteen thousand uh you know in the next five years and lastly, just wondered what the outlook um, outlook is for the next sort of six to, uh, six to twelve months, um, and sort of what no uh, news flow uh, people can expect from you. Yeah, look, you know the ma the main focus for us is, and it always has been, is to sort of uh, you know put the funding that we've got into the ground, whether that be drilling, geophysics or geochemistry. I mean, uh, yeah, obviously I'm a geologist and, and, and a couple of the other guys on the board are geologists. So we, we certainly want to explore the ground that we've got. So over the next six months, uh, we certainly will be bringing the drill rig back. Uh, as I mentioned, we have got some walk-up drill targets at Fortuna. Uh, and obviously, we want to go back to Lana Karina and, and the adjacent Vista Montana project. So there'll be quite a lot of drilling to report on in the next uh, three to six months. We expect assays um, to start coming back from that drilling, you know, probably a month or six weeks after we, we, we get back on the ground with the drill rig. So there'll be a big, you know, a mixture of assay results, uh, you know, what we're seeing in the drilling. And we also, you know, we're also... You know, because we we've got a bit of a feel for that uh, sort of regional potential of the area. You know, we'll be certainly uh, letting people know if we've um, you know found any additional projects. You know, within that um, within that prospective uh, zone of mineralisation that we have identified. So, 
So, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll see a consistent uh, set of news flow coming out. And I'm yeah, particularly interested and, and excited about the, um, you know, the assay results coming from some of these uh, these areas where we do see quite a lot of copper on the surface. And uh, I think we're going to be, you know, pleasantly surprised when we, we start drilling below these zones. Max, thank you for your time. Appreciate you uh, giving us an update on the company and, and what mining is like in Chile. Um, and obviously wish you well for the remainder of the year going into next year. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions and they want to follow your your story and the company's story, how can they go about doing that? What social media channels are you on? Yeah, look, I mean, Calpeo's got a, a website, www.calpeominerals.com.au. Uh, there's there's a contact uh, there's the contact information there. Obviously, we've also we're on LinkedIn and we're on Twitter, so we've, we're we're active on both of those areas. And um, you know, obviously, if you if you come through the website, uh, you'll certainly uh, any questions will get through to me pretty quickly, and I can um, I can answer that. I usually sort of try to answer any questions, you know, within twenty four hours anyway. Great. And I'll include those in the show notes, a company's podcast. So it's uh, uh, easy access to any of our listeners, listeners that want to reach out to you and ask you any questions, and but also follow, follow the story as well. So uh, like I said, wish you well for the remainder of the year. Um, and those that are listening, um, really appreciate your continued support. As always, please share this episode with uh, others in the industry and obviously uh, people outside of this industry also. Um Obviously, we've been speaking about copper, which is needed for uh, the whole electrification and green economy. Um, and I know there is an undersupply of copper in the industry. So um, all of these projects, copper projects, need to be need to be funded, need to be found, funded, um, and uh, turned into mines. So really appreciate your continued support. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.